Losing My Religion. We're looking at the book of Galatians. And uh, this morning, uh, I've entitled the, uh, this talk, uh, Two Roads Diverged. really reminds me of a really kind of one of my favorite Robert Frost poems. Y'all know what it is, don't you? What's it called? The Road Not Taken. Very good. Thank you, high school seniors. All right. Um, I'm going to read a, little, a couple of stanzas from it. It says this. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down, one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. I should be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at two roads. Many of you are here, and you have two options ahead of you today. You might be wondering, do I get married to that guy or to her, or do I remain single? Those are two roads. That's a divergence, if you would. Some of you, do we have children, or do we not? Do we wait a little bit longer? Some of you, well, do I, do I go, go ahead and find a job or do I continue with more education? Do I move to another state to find a job or do I, am I going to stay here? Or you have a decision when your spouse comes back from after deployment, are we going to start for a third or a fourth? Or if you're Mormon, an eighth? <laughs> Oh, yes, send your emails. All right. Some of you, though, you're, uh, you're wondering, and you ha- you're, you're out there, and you think, do I get close to God, or am I going to continue doing the same things I've been doing? Um, some of you out there believe that, in, that, you know, as long as you're sincere, it doesn't matter what you believe. You know, it doesn't matter just as long as you're sincere. It doesn't matter which religion you pick. You know, as long as you're just really passionate about it, it's going to get you there. And there are others of you who think, no, there's only really one way. There's only one way to God. There's one way to heaven. Well, we're going to be looking at this in Galatians chapter 3, and Paul actually gives us a two-road scenario. That we are at the fork in the road, and you can either choose one way, or you can choose another way. But you can't choose both. You can't do both and. It's an either or. But I need to give you a stern warning. Whichever one you choose, you can't go back. You can't get halfway down a road and say, slam on the brakes and put it in reverse. What you start out, you've got to continue. In fact, the stern warning I'd like to give you today is found in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, and it says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Robert Frost was right. There are two roads that you can, cha- you can take, and whichever one you take, one is going to make all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, uh, turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. If you have the Bibles that we provide here at One Church, it's 891. You're welcome to turn there. 
Um, and we're going to be looking at the two-road scenario that Paul gives us in Galatians chapter 3. These two roads, if you would, one, a lot of people think both lead to heaven. In fact, let's look at the first road. The first road is simply this. The first road to heaven is keeping the law 100% of the time. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 says this, Those who depend upon the law to make them right with God. There's a lot of people out there who are depending upon religion to make them right with God. They are depending upon, okay, if I do this and I do this and I do this, then I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to be good enough. The Jewish people had many traditions and many religions. Many of them. In fact, many of them were depending upon keeping the law, the Ten Commandments. And if I keep that, then you know what? I'm going to be okay. Me and God are going to be okay. In fact, if you ask the average American today, are you okay with God? Most of them will say this, well, I believe in God. 95% of Americans believe in God. Isn't that amazing? You ask them, how are you going to get, you know, if you believe in God, yeah, I believe in God. Well, are, are you going to go to heaven or hell? You know what everybody says? Heaven. Nobody's going to hell. It's amazing. And if you ask him, why are you going to heaven? Because I'm good. Because I'm good. You know, we have a book that we give out free at Guest Central called How Good is Good Enough. If that's your answer, you may want to pick it up. Because there are people, if they depend upon, you know, if I do this and if I don't commit adultery and if I don't murder and if I don't steal or, or if I steal, I'm going to steal from the RS, you know, because everybody does it. Then I'm going to be okay. But I'm going to continue reading Galatians 3.10. But those who depend upon the law to make them right with God are under what? They're under, the verse says, a curse. They're under a curse. I'm going to read it again. But those who depend upon the law to make them right with God are under a curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not what? Observe and obey some of the commands. Is that what it says? All. All. All of the commands. All of the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Hear me. If you want to try to take the religious road to get to heaven, if you want to try to take the how good is good enough road, if you want to take the, hey, if you've got to do this, got to do this, okay, you can do that. But let me tell you, you have, you have to ace the test every day. You have to get a 100 every day. When you swing, you can never miss. You can never strike out. You have to keep all of the law all of the time. You have to keep 100% of the law 100% of the time. And if you don't, game over. It says you are cursed. Literally, it says you are damned. Paul's getting serious. He says, you are cursed if you just make one little slip up. One mess up, game over. One impure thought, game over. One lustful thought, one jealous thought. If one time you put something else or someone else before God, you're done. And it only takes once. If you're going to keep the law, you've got to keep 100% of the law 100% of the time. And that's a problem. i got a problem. Y'all know i got a problem. I know that. But let me tell you, you got a problem. You can't do it. 
I'm not that consistent. In fact, if I'm consistent in anything, I'm consistently wrong. Romans 3.23 says this, For some have sinned. Anybody got a problem with the way I said that? For how many have sinned? All. For all have sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's everybody. Man, you know, I can't be obedient one day, much less for an entire lifetime. I just can't do it. I cannot do it. Well, then why in the world did God even send the law? If you can't obey the law and that gets you to heaven, then why did he send the law? That's a great question. In fact, Paul asked that same question in Galatians chapter 3, verse 19. And he says this, Well then, why was the law given? Good question, Paul. It was given to show people how guilty they are. Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says it this way, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they really are. The law was never there to save us. It was never given to save us. It was given to show us that we were so messed up that we needed saving. That we needed a Savior. In fact, everybody say this with me, these next three statements. A little bit of audience participation. Where there is no law, there is no sin. Think about that. Where there is no law, there is no sin. Next one. The purpose of the law is to show us what sin is. The last statement says this. The law can't fix sin, but it does lead us to Jesus. The law is there to show you and me we absolutely need a Savior. That we could not get it by. Let me explain it this way. Back uh, this past February when it was snowing and icing, it did that a couple of times. Um, I uh, got in the vehicle and we had snow and ice. I took the ice scraper and I scraped off the front windshield of the of the driver's side. I did not scrape off the passenger side. Do you want to know why? I wasn't sitting in the passenger seat. All right? I mean, this is, come on now. Work with me. So I scrape it off about a two foot by two foot, and I start going over to a friend's house. I'm bebopping, scatting. I'm having a good time. But there's a problem. I get pulled over by an officer. Now, some of you, like half of our church are law enforcement, so just hang out. Hang out with me, all right? Can you do that? All right. You know, I immediately, when the blue lights come on, what, what does your foot immediately do? I, I, I reach for the brake because I didn't know how far, you know, how fast was I going, and I'm starting to sweat. And Oh, it wasn't pretty. So he pulls me over, and he says, uh, license and registration. I'm like, okay. So uh, I pull out the registration, and my license... I accidentally forgot. <laughs> anyway, so he says, do you know, um, and I was going to say how fast you're going, and I'm like, uh, but he didn't. He says, did you, why didn't you scrape off all the windshield? Because I wasn't sitting in the passenger seat. You know, that never goes well, by the way. Um, um, smarting off. And he says, well, okay. Um, he gives me a ticket. And I did not know I was breaking the law because I, you know, I you know, scraped off the side windows, back window, but evidently I did, and I had to go to traffic court. How many of y'all have ever gotten a speeding ticket had to go to traffic court? The most embarrassing thing ever, ever, because you're surrounded, you're in a room surrounded by a bunch of innocent people. 
right? Seriously, none of them have broken any laws. They're like saints. So I, I come in, and the judge, he walks up, and he's high and lifted up. And, you know, everybody stands up, and then they sit down, and he calls names. He says, okay, he calls this one fella. He says, is it true that you were going 45 in a school zone on Tiny Town Road? No, he says, I'm innocent. So, so you're not guilty. Yes, sir, I'm innocent. Uh, you know, it wasn't clearly marked, and there wasn't any children, at least any small children, so, uh, you know, I just, so you're, you're saying you're, you're, you're not guilty. That's correct. He pounds the gavel. No, you're guilty. Pay the fine. So he goes. And then another person, uh, a lady steps up, and, and she was going to Walmart, and she was waiting in the turn lane, and she turned, and somebody hit her uh, coming on because they had the green light, and she didn't have an arrow. Well, how do you plead? I plead not guilty. So explain this to me. I had a green, I had a green arrow. She says, ma'am, he says, ma'am, that's impossible. The other person had a green light. And he looks at the officer. Was anything wrong with the light? No, there wasn't. So, so you're saying you're, you're innocent. You're not guilty. That's correct, judge. Guilty. Pay the fine. Edmondson, Chris. And, and everybody in there is going, is he our pastor? And I'm going like this, oh, dear Jesus. Yes, sir. Um, is it true that you were driving a vehicle with impaired vision? Yes, sir. I, it is true. Uh, so you're guilty. Yes, sir, I am. Um, what's your excuse? I said, I'm a geek. That's my excuse. <laughs> so he, he looks up and he says, so you're telling me you're guilty and you have no excuse except that you're a geek. And I'm like, uh, yes, sir. And are you sorry that you did it? <laughs> yes, sir, I'm extremely sorry. Are you ever going to do it again? No, sir, never going to do it again. And he, and he says, and then he mentions, he says, you're in Edmondson, are you Ken Ron? I'm like, yes, sir, I am. And you're a pastor. I'm like, yes, sir, I am. So you're telling me you're guilty, you have no excuse, and all of these other people in here evidently are innocent. And he pounded it down. He says, not guilty. You don't have to pay the fine. Get out of here before you corrupt all these innocent people. <laughs> you know, I went out there, I went outside, and I went, oh, come on. I was excited because I didn't have to pay a fine. I was stoked, all right? So, now, I got off not because I was not guilty, because I was guilty. I got off because of the grace of the judge. Hear me. The reason why we're able to get off and, and being pronounced not guilty and innocent has nothing to do with you and I trying to be good. It has everything to do with Jesus being good enough. And, you know, the great thing about it, I could have, even though he pronounced me not guilty, I could have said, you know, that's, I, I need to do something. And I could have went to, showed up at traffic school one Tuesday evening, and they'd say, excuse me, and the instructor would say, who, who are you? My name's Chris, and I'm here at traffic I'm sorry, you're not on the list. And, yeah, I know, I was pronounced not guilty, but I feel like I need to do something. What would they do to me? Get out, you freak. All right? 
Because when the judge pronounces you not guilty, you know what? You're not guilty. You don't have to pay the fine. And that's what God does through Jesus Christ. He says, not guilty. But there has to be more. I've got to do something. No. You're not guilty. But you have to receive His gift of, of pardon, if you would. That is so very important. The only way to be declared righteous would be by a grace-filled judge who says, I'm not guilty. Let's look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. 21 says this, If the law could have given us life, we could have been made right with God by obeying it. You know what? If it could have, it would have. But there's a problem. It don't. If you choose law, if you choose the road of religion, if you're going to try to get to God by pleasing Him and doing good works, you're never going to be made right with God, ever. Be made right with God, the churchy word for that is justified. It just means to be made right with God. You're never going to be declared not guilty. Why? Because following a religion never works. Rules will never bring you closer to God, ever. The only way to be brought close to God is not by rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that road, religion, seems right, don't it? The problem is it ends in death. It ends in death. Let me keep on reading. If the law could have given us new life, we would have been made right with God by obeying it. That's the first road. Problem is, dead end, cul-de-sac, turn back. Look at this next one. But the Scriptures have declared that we are all prisoners of sin, so that the only way, look at this, so that the what? Only? Is that what it said? That's not me not being tolerant, by the way. The only way to receive God's promises to believe in Jesus Christ. The only way. Some people think, well, that's just narrow-minded. Okay, let's talk about that. You jump out of a plane without a parachute. You know what I'm going to tell you what's going to happen? This is, I'm going to say something that's very narrow-minded. You're going to splat. <laughs> Period. Done deal. That's narrow-minded, but it's the truth. Because there's something called the law of gravity. Let me tell you, the only way to have a relationship with God is having faith in Jesus Christ. And that's not being intolerant. That's being truthful. And that's being loving. And God is saying, you can have that relationship with me. Let's look at the second road. We've looked at the first road, cul-de-sac, dead end, eh, all right? Let's look at the second road. The second road is to have, to heaven is to have faith in Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in verse 11. Paul sums up the first road really well. So it's clear, clear, that's crystal by the way, it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law, all right? For the scriptures say it is through faith, look at this, it is through faith that the righteous person has life. How does somebody get life? Through faith. Through faith is the righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it's obeying the law that a person has life. And look at How does a person have life? Through faith. Now, that, this is where we get our big idea from this verse. I love this verse. When I was reading this, this just like, it was like neon sign to me. This is awesome. So this stokes. The big idea, and let's all say it together. It says this. Following the law sucks the life right out of you and brings you death. Following Jesus brings you life because of his death. Contrast. 
You follow the law, it's going to suck the life right out of you, and you're going to die. You follow Jesus, you're going to be able to have life because of his death. Because of his death. Now, what is faith? What is faith? It says faith. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith, if you could see it, you wouldn't have to have faith. Faith is believing God at his word. Some of you all say, well, if I just just wish I had a sign, if if I had some concrete evidence, you're not going to get concrete evidence. You wouldn't need faith. Faith is trusting God at his word and believing him and having faith like a child. That's very, very important. So, but Paul, as he, he's talking about faith and not going this road, but this road, he knew that there were going to be some pushback from these Jewish, very traditional people. God love them, and, the, and he does. He said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to put something out there. I want, you, I want to talk about Abraham. Abraham was the father of the Jewish religion. He was the father of the Jewish race. And by the way, Abraham showed up 430 years before the law was ever given to Moses. Their thought, you have to keep the law in order to be saved and to be made right with God. But look what it says in verse 6. Consider the experience of Abraham. As the Scripture says, he believed God, and because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. Now that's really important, because God accepted Abraham righteous before he ever had the law, before there was even a law to keep. That's, that's, That's exciting. So he's saying, listen, I'm proving to you, the law is not the kicker here. The law only shows you how much you've, you've sinned. Galatians 3, 6 in the NIV says it this way, Consider Abraham, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteous. That word credited means to make a deposit. How many of y'all like, like when deposits are made in your account? Yes, Jesus. Praise the Lord. It just doesn't happen enough, does it? <laughs> I, um, I love it when deposits are made. Because if, if you put a deposit in, guess what you can do later? You can make a withdrawal. You know what I'm talking about? Come on now. He says, you know what? Because of what Jesus did, he's making a deposit. If we all had spiritual bank accounts, you know what? All of our spiritual bank accounts would be in the red. Because spiritually, we're broke. That's us spiritually. All right? Sorry about the lint. I mean, we're broke. But this is what Jesus did. Jesus obeyed all of the law did it perfectly, righteous, totally righteous, and he deposits his righteousness, something that we could never earn, we couldn't, and he puts it into our spiritual bank account. So that any time we need to make a withdrawal, it's there. There's always sufficient funds. There's never insufficient funds. There's always enough there. That is the, the beautiful transaction, the depositing that Jesus does in all of our lives. Man, that should just get you stoked. Man, that's awesome. It's like this. When I was, I was in Auburn, Alabama last week, and as I was preparing for this, I, was, I kind of thought of this story. About 10 years ago, I was a college pastor in Auburn, Alabama and, um, at this church, and uh, Kim and I, we were just out of seminary. We were broke. You know, we were so broke we couldn't afford to pay attention. Um, and, uh, you know, and by the way, some of you are praying about getting in the ministry. Know that you will always be broke. It's just a natural occurrence. But I remember it needed some dental work being done. I needed two crowns. And I didn't have any money to pay for them. Well, we had this fine couple in our church named Rex and Wanda Howell. And they were both dentists. 
and uh, we got to hang out with them last weekend because we just love hanging out with them. Well, back then they said, you know what? We're dentists. We're going to pay for it. And because Jesus loves you and I love you, we're going to pay for it for free. F-R-E-E. Free. And she, she says, I'm going to pay for all of your dental work the time you're here in Auburn. And the year and a half we were there, I mean, it was, just, it was all free. She did something for me. He did something for me that I could not do for myself. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. He does something for you that you cannot do for yourself. Our spiritual bank account is empty. And Jesus says, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to deposit my righteousness into your account. I'm going to make you right with God. Jesus did something we cannot do. And the only thing we have to do is receive this gift that Jesus gives us. That's it. Sounds too easy to be true. (laughs) It's easy for you and it's easy for me. It was very difficult for Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning... And if you're struggling, this whole religion thing is just kicking you in the teeth. And you feel like you know that God has made you free in Jesus. But you feel like you're starting to slip back into religion. You know how you can tell when you slip back into religion? You're usually bitter. Come on now. You're usually judgmental. Um, and you, you just start to be critical. Religion, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, that root word literally means to be in bondage. And God has not come to put you into bondage, but to set you free. If you feel like you're getting critical and you're slipping back into bondage, I'm telling you this morning, you need to pray. And you need to say, God, you freed me years ago, or maybe a few months ago, whenever it was. And Lord, I'm not called here to judge other people. John 3.16, you know what it says, but John 3.17 says, Jesus did not come into the world to judge the world. If Jesus ain't going to judge you, I'm not. You're messed up? (laughs) Welcome to the club. Seriously. So I'm going to ask you right now, with every head bowed, if you would close your eyes and bow your head, we're going to just pray. We're going to have some conversations right now. If that's you... If you're struggling with that critical spirit of just slipping back into bondage, I'd just ask you if you'd just raise your hand and then put it down so I can pray for you. Okay, thank you. I see you, friend. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see you in the back. Thank you. Anyone else? You're just struggling. Thank you. I see you. You know, God loves you. He came to set you free. Your word says, Lord, as we pray, that the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And Lord, many of us, we have that tendency to slip back in the judgment of religion. Lord, I pray that you would set us free from the burden of legalism. Help us understand that we're under the grace of Jesus Christ, not under law. I pray that you would set us free. You would set us free, God. There may be others of you here this morning that you like me you just struggle of knowing where you really stand with God you've tried church and you've tried religion you've tried all of this other stuff and we feel we just don't feel like we ever measure up and the reason why is because we don't and Lord I, there may be some of you out there you're just struggling 
am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? Do I really have a relationship with Jesus? And you just don't know if you can really know. I have good news for you this morning. You can know. You can know the truth. And the truth you can know will set you free. So if you're out there and you're struggling, and you say, Chris, that's me. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I have that relationship. Just lift your hand. Anyone? Okay, I see you. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? This could be your day. This could be your Independence Day. The day that you can, that you know, that you know that you're saved. If you feel that way, I pray that you would just pray silently to yourself, dear Father. Lord, I've been trying many different things to make myself right with you. It just hadn't worked. And I'm scared. And I'm fearful. And I just don't know if what I have is enough. And I found out this morning that what I have will never be enough. But Lord, you are more than enough for me. You are more than enough. And Lord, I ask you, Jesus, even though I'm a sinner and I'm separated from you, I pray, Lord, that you would come into my heart, that you would come down in my life, and that you would make yourself real to me. Give me the faith to believe in you and to take your gift of not guilty. Lord, I can take it to the bank. I thank you so much, Jesus Christ. For it's in your name that we pray.